0: And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: You're listening to Working, the show about what people do all day. I'm your host, Jordan Weissman, and we are continuing our series this week about people who make their living in Colorado's legal cannabis industry. I'm going to be talking with Max Platt of Concentrated Love, where he works as a THC extraction technician. What on earth is that, you might be wondering? The short answer is that he makes hash. He makes professional, commercial, retail-grade hash. And he's pretty good at explaining how he does that and what exactly Hash is. And so I'm not going to spend too much time pre explaining it for you. However, I do want to make a very quick announcement at the top of the show because it's actually very important to me, which is I realized that the first four episodes of the series so far have all featured men, which part of that was just sort of the production schedule working out the way it did. It wasn't intended to be that way. But for people who are beginning to wonder, is this just going to be a show where Jordan talks to dudes who work in dispensaries? I promise you, absolutely not. We have a great run of women coming up on this show, too, a corporate chef, a researcher at UC Boulder. It's going to be great. They all gave fantastic interviews, and I really can't wait to air those episodes as well. But for those who are thinking this uh, series is getting a little bit too doodly, I promise you that's going to change soon. Uh, I hope you enjoy my interview with Max. It's also absolutely great.
2: What's your name and what do you do? My name is Max Blatt and I'm an extraction technician here at Concentrated Love um, in Colorado. We do all sorts of hash making. For those who don't know, what is hash? So hash is extract or concentrate. And I guess for those who don't associate those words in there every day like we do, an extract is something like vanilla extract if you start with a plant and then you finish with a refined oil, it's something that's very strong, that only takes two drops to get the vanilla flavor in your coffee or your pancakes. With concentrate, it's more like something that is concentrated, that is refined to the point of uh, almost purity. And so hash is... If we want to start at the beginning, is the most ancient form of cannabis consumption. Camel hash, which is when cannabis was fed to camels and then their poop was actually sifted through to make smokable hash, is 5,000 years old. And they've been doing it in Morocco for a very long time. From there, it developed into less gross things like- uh, Up to today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're
1: not feeding any camels. Right,
2: right. Well, even so, so uh, Moroccans to this date still take dried cannabis plants and whack them against trees. And they leave a silkscreen on the tree and then they take a razor blade and wipe the silkscreen clean. And that is sold in Amsterdam, Morocco, Egypt. To this day, it is a marketable, commonly seen product. And- um, Where cannabis is, there is hash. And so, what exactly is an extraction technician? So, extraction kind of begins with the plant material, right? So, we work with weed, pot, whatever you want to call it. Um, Cannabis in the language of the (laughs) In the scientific terms, yeah. yeah. We take cannabis and we turn it into a more refined product that carries more of the medicine that people are searching for. So someone needs THC, if someone needs C B D, we allow them access to that at much higher levels than the plant material. So we do make oils, we do make I guess it's hard to say like waxes would be the right term. Like uh the, the word oil is a very liquidy yeah. connotation to it, but we can make every consistency, everything that from using just ice water as a solvent to using light hydrocarbon gases as, you know, something to strip the plant material of its trichomes. And I don't want to get too technical, but... I oh, know.
1: Feel free to get technical. Yeah. Basically... Um, so, you're making everything from the oil that might go into a product to a wax that, I guess, someone then smokes, or... Yeah,
2: yeah. So, everything we make is smokable. That's kind of like our forte. But at a certain point, when THC becomes activated, so when it goes from... THCA and the gibberellic acid turns to THC, that's like what gets you high is that conversion. And so once we do a certain level of heating and refinement, we can actually make it so you don't need to smoke it to use it. Once it's activated, you can eat it. If you put it into a vehicle, you can rub it on your skin. Literally, the more cannabis gets into society, the more creative our jobs have to become. So like, Sure, everyone's made smokable cannabis, and it sounds funny to say, but we've actually moved past that now there's cannabis inhalers, cannabis salves, bath bombs like and it's it's in every part of our life, and so it it comes to us where they're like, "Okay, well, you know how to make that, but can you put it in this and you know and that's that's kind of the edible end as well you know it's it's in all of our foods and <laughs> So,
1: I, to kind of summarize all that, your job is to get THC out and then in different forms that can be used in all the different products exactly. that might be. Anything that you would eat, smoke, put on your body as a bomb, any of that, your yeah. job is to create all those different... To gather to, it. Gather it. Yeah.
2: So, um, when it's in the plant material, and a lot of people know this from smoking, um, there's a grogginess associated with smoking plant material. There's like a tiredness, a very... I don't know. It, there's, there's a way that the body doesn't handle inhaling a burnt plant. You know, like it, it wants to be healthier than that in a way, or, or it's like humans have evolved past needing to inhale a plant. And so we literally just remove the part of the plant that gets you high and turn it into something else. So. I'm curious about how you do your job. Yeah.
1: Uh, I want to, I actually, I want to get into the technical stuff. So you're extracting. What is your typical extraction? What are, What is the majority of what you're producing?
2: Right. So, um, the majority would be light hydrocarbon extraction. I mean, what, what is that
1: exactly? Gas
2: you're, is the easiest way to put it. Um, you're,
1: you're extracting THC using gas.
2: Yeah. So butane, propane, and isobutane are the three most common gases that we'll use.
1: So let's start. You're, you're about to do a, gas extraction of THC. Yeah, 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 And what will you be making
2: with that? So um, we go off of kind of what, what does the customer want, but it could be anything from, so in the old days, it would all be bubble hash. Nowadays, it's going to be like wax shatter. Live resin is very popular right now. And that's where we do the same process, but with a plant that has actually not started degrading. So it's still alive. It's still frozen and preserved. And that actually retains 90% of what's on the plant when it's living. So let's say glass shatter. Yeah.
1: So, And what is glass shatter exactly?
2: So shatter, which gets its name because it breaks like glass, is a concentrate or a hash where the molecules are spread so thin and so clearly that you can see directly through the hash. It's like a window pane. So the directions of, you know, relating it to glass or something that shatters came about and uh, what we're going to do to do that is... Yeah, so take me through. Right, well, yeah. you, like from you sit down at, in the, you enter the lab. How are you doing Right. This? So no sitting, very active, very on your feet, lots <laughs> of heavy lifting. Um, so we use a stainless steel closed loop machine. So this means that when we take the gas from a literal, it looks just like the propane tank from your grill or something. It's just painted a little more clear for us to know that it's for extraction. And that means it's non-odorized, so it won't affect the taste. And we take that gas and we plug it using um, it's a stainless steel mesh with another Kevlar mesh on the outside. So very safe. Safety first always in extraction. Anytime you're dealing with gas, it's all about containing that gas and making sure it's not too pressurized. We have gauges all over the room and on our body and things to show people and ourselves that it is a safe environment. And so we enter that gas into that closed loop system. It's going to saturate on uh, what we call the the material column. So, the material column holds about three pounds of cannabis, which if people have had personal amounts, that's not a small amount. It's, it's a large <laughs> yeah. amount of cannabis. And so, yeah.
1: You know, what does that look what, About three pounds of cannabis. What does that look like if you like spread it on a table?
2: So, um, it's probably about three feet wide, one foot tall and, uh, you know, like an inch up off the table of just like... Kefi, I guess kefi is hard to explain for people that don't, don't know, but just dusty material. So it has the remnants of THC molecules all over it. And it's like, we, you know, our, our job, as, especially here in this small batch environment is to retain quality. So no one wants an extractor that doesn't make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah, if it's yeah. if it's this way as flour, it's got to be that way or better as concentrate. So you've got this giant
1: heap of cannabis and, <laughs> and you have it in a, you basically have a it in bucket. a bucket. Can- in a bucket. Yeah, a bucket. And you're so and then you've connected this
2: gas tube to it. And so so what are you doing then? So this is all contained. So that pile of cannabis is inside stainless steel. And the gas will run over it. It'll sit there for about five minutes as we redirect hot water lines. So we use hot water because it's not electric. It can't introduce a spark or do anything scary in a gas environment. So we reconnect all these hot water recirculator lines and basically it allows the machine to warm the gas that's on the hash. So at this point, we call it a slurry. It's a a mix of gas and hash and byproducts, things we call undesirables, things that we're going to get out later. And uh, we open the second valve. And so the second valve releases that entire slurry into where we collect. And that's our collection pot. And so that's going to look like basically like a big mixing bowl with a lot of like almost like a tank above it. Like it's, it's so much protection because that's where, you know, you really need to retain pressure and you really need to know that it's heating or cooling or being safe. And that's where we're going to pull the hash from after we do the final step, which is recovery. So recovery is actually the coolest part of closed loop extraction. It's where we take all that gas that was inside the machine and we pull it off just leaving hash. So it's like we put the gas back in the tank that it started in and it won't be a hundred percent. It's usually about 75 to 80%, but we do get to keep a large portion of the gas that goes in there. And so it's one of those things where we're almost like, smoking the weed for you and then saving it at that just before you get to inhale it part and so it's like all resiny and all strong and then we like give it to you right there at that point and so it's like you don't have to deal with the plant it's already stronger it's already ready and it's very cool so when you're when you're
1: applying all this hot gas to this bucket of plant matter is it that you're melting the THC, essentially? Or what exactly is, is happening to it?
2: So it's basically knocking off all of the trichomes and leaving the plant material itself behind without any trichome on it. It's almost like... Uh,
1: so it's the pressure of yeah, that gas is yeah. knocking off all the THC. Exactly. And, then he- and that's getting heated up almost into a liquid at the end.
2: Exactly. Okay, I see. <laughs> uh, and the heat comes from those water recirculating hoses, so the whole machine being jacketed with water, we can heat a very specific portion of the machine where all of the hash is collected, and that starts evaporating the gas and melting down. The I got it. So the gas you're applying is to knock off all of this THC, and then the
1: water turns into a slurry, mm-hmm. and that's what you're doing. And it's all inside of something we can't see. So I'm going to try to run through this as like my my understanding. So it yeah. sounds like you're essentially taking a big bunch of plant material and with dusty thc covered plant material and you're treating it with heated gas and making the slurry and like i said pre-smoking it yeah and then you're collecting it and then you get that kind of glassy product at the end so that's
2: actually uh where our artistry comes in so it it never comes out of the machine finished It, it comes out active very uh Like a very small amount of gas makes a lot of activity in room temperature. So gas, especially butane, wants to evaporate at negative 34 Fahrenheit. So you can imagine like it's almost boiling at room temperature. So you have a a boiling slurry of THC. Uh And we we do what's called a pour. And we pour that out onto a pan that has a a plastic film called PTFE. So PTFE is like very lab grade, very clean, very... uh, It's perfect for shatter. So uh, we can pour it on there, and then over the next two to three days, we do very subtle changes in heat and pressure to make sure that the, what we call a slab, it becomes a very like uh, large pan of oil, just like all flat and glassy like you're explaining. And it'll, it'll basically cure and develop into what we know is shatter over two or three days. And so it goes from a very active, very liquidy product to literally rock hard, breakable THC molecules. Also almost like candy. Yeah. yeah. It's the easiest way to describe it. It's like melting sugar. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's yeah. a
2: highly technical
1: process of melting sugar. It's very slowly over two to three days. Yeah. So during this process,
2: is that, that's two to three days, you're, the whole thing. So the, the actual run, the extraction with the gas and us moving around, that's about 45 minutes to an hour. And when that's done, then it's a waiting game. It's a you've done all of the groundwork. Now it's like the artistry, the very subtle differences. So, um, what we do with running the machine is very trainable. It's very I don't know. It's it's a system. You know, the system is built to run the exact same way every time. It's once you crack that system open and start working with the oil that you become more of an extraction artist than a technician. I what, guess. what do you mean by crack it open? So, um, when you pull the bottom of the machine off, which is called the collection vessel, it's still under a little bit of pressure. So you purge the air out and you use a series of wrenches to open it. And then when you open it, it's just like Christmas Day kind of thing. You're like, Oh, how did it come out? And you know, so. And that's when you see the slurry, essentially. When you're opening it to find out that's your product. Right. And so the heavier we go into a propane extraction and the farther we get away from a butane extraction, the more that slurry is actually going to look like, uh, like a mushroom cloud or like it's like, it's, they call it a muffin sometimes because it's thick and yellow and goopy. And it's a, uh, so it's the way that the molecules react in THC. Propane is a shorter chain molecule, so it wants to make little bubbles very quickly. So like it, it's like this big forming mushroom cloud. And shatter made with butane is very big, slow-moving bubbles. And so it almost looks like uh, just something like evaporating or blowing bubbles.
1: And so you said this is where the real technique, this is what makes a mm-hmm. technician into an artist. So what right. is it you're doing at that point that is so difficult or, or tricky or,
2: or requires right. that
1: artistic touch? Right.
2: So there's many tricks to the trade. A big thing with shatter is, is the pour is having something that pours liquidy for you and and gets really thin and so the thinner we can get it the more clear it's going to look at the end and really just taking care so not rushing through an extraction knowing when knobs you know need to be turned we call ourselves glorified knob turners sometimes cuz like that is an artistry is how you turn a knob or how you allow gas to go over material and so There's like little things where it it can make a product lighter and and sometimes more flavorful. And and for a lot of people, we we eat with our eyes, you know? Like we we see something and if if one is amber and one is gold, we'll choose the gold one because it's just calling to us more or it's just saying that that extraction was, you know, done more carefully, more properly. And so we take a lot of pride in the fact that we can, you know, become rumple still skin we can turn you know hay into gold or you know take things that people years ago were throwing away and make it into a highly desired product and so you know we we are the masters of byproduct the extraction artists
0: so <laughs> it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: That's it. So you're working with essentially the the weed that people don't want to just smoke as like the as flower, a flower as yeah. a, as a bud. so you're you're working with, is it the lower quality stuff or is it just aesthetically not as nice what's the difference so
2: there's there's a full spectrum we receive at the high end of the spectrum the live plant material so that's plants that people would normally smoke if they were dried but they've given to us for our specific live extraction and uh, we actually do something really cool with the live extraction here which is grow diamonds uh, thc diamonds So they're perfectly pure, 99.99% THC grown in its own extraction. So it's using heat and pressure over time and it takes almost a month, but uh, it's, it's comparable to an at-home science kit when you were a kid and they would give you like a Mason jar or a Pyrex dish. And they're like, okay, so you put the solution in and over time with heat, this solution will purify. And we're doing that with THC here. So like, it's actually THCA. It's like, but... it's like the kit you bought
1: when you'd make your own gemstone at home oh, from totally. the museum. Yeah. But you're doing that at THC. Yes.
2: Interesting. Yeah. It's become very popular. And so that's like our our upper end of... Like if someone gives us their quote unquote undesirable trim, which the trim would be like what you were talking about, the leftovers. They would never expect diamonds. It would be too hard to make. It's like a a process that requires too much in the... The prerequisite. So, with the lowest quality material, we kind of have a filter. We try out other suppliers. We're a wholesale and a processing facility. So, we do work for people that want it done directly on what they tell us to. And then we do other work where we hand select the material and then choose where it goes. And so, on hand selected, you know, we have more of a filter for this needs to be better, but. As an extractor, you never like you never don't take the challenge. I guess you if something looks bad or if someone says that it's bad, you want to do as much as you can to make it good on our end. Is your job partly to make the lower quality stuff good or make good stuff great or like yeah like, yeah, like yeah. what are you trying to always to improve quality? Yeah. Um, the lower the quality is starting, yeah. the more work that needs to be done. If that makes sense, yeah. So if we start with the highest quality, it almost is doing the work for us, even if we don't do the most post-production, we'll end up with high-quality material. But if we start with low-quality material, it takes a little more post-production, a little more artistry to get it to to be pretty, to put the lipstick on the pig, I guess.
1: <laughs> so I want to come back to um, the art of it. So... What you said, like one thing is adjusting things correctly to get the color of something correct. Mm -hmm. What
2: what else are you looking to? What else are you monitoring? What else? Consistency consistency. is a big thing, Um, especially with shatter. That'll be a great example or a good you know jump-off point. Shatter can be soft or it can be breakable, and someone may use it as medicine for let's say Parkinson's. So if someone has Parkinson's and their shatter is breaking over and over and over again, they don't, they're do not they going to struggle with that. They're going to have a hard time. So we can actually alter it with lower changes in heat. So changes in heat that are less drastic and make it more malleable, more slowly breaking. So it's almost smooth and soft like a butter, even though it looks like a shatter. And so uh, just it's almost like we're the individual's doctor. You know, like there's individual needs per person and we just try to cater to whatever that may be. So how did you get into this business? What were you before you were a technician? So um, this is actually my eighth job in the cannabis industry in Colorado. Um, I came from Florida where cannabis industry meant time in jail. <laughs> it was not. Uh, it was highly frowned upon. It was not common. And I came out here, and I immediately said, "This is where my niche lies. I want to grow weed. I want to be part of this industry. I want to see it grow." And and so my first gig was trimming um, back of the house. So we call it front of the house being sales, back of the house being production. And um, I was just trimming, and you know, literally excited for every moment. You know, it was like uh, anything that had to do with cannabis where I was being paid with a taxable paycheck was a big deal at the time. And um, I worked my way up after three or four jobs. I was doing, you know, more management roles at dispensaries themselves and learning about the what we do to get product and how we send it out. And all the. there's so many rules and it changes so much and so much is based on taxing and what we need for recreational versus medical and as a state, how we act. And so uh, a lot of it to me boiled down to if I want to see good things in this industry come out, I have to have my hands on it. I can't just be selling a product and saying this is good because someone else did it. Like I, I literally don't know what that means for me to know the quality. I I have to have my hands on it. And so uh, my first extraction gig was in 2015 Um, We didn't make oil that people smoked. We made edible oil that went into gummy bears and peach rings and candies and drinks and all sorts of things that, you know, endless and endless amounts of oil we would make sometimes. So here we do as much as six to eight high quality runs in a day where we're paying very, very close attention to what happens at the beginning, middle and end of every run. Um, When I first started extraction It was somewhere between 15 and 20 runs a day. So easily over double with no attention to quality. It was all about percentages and how much can we make in a day? And not to say that quality wasn't looked after, but it was all about the number of grams of oil at the end of the day and how we could put that into a number of edibles at the end of the day. Is that what most extractors basically, is, is that mostly extraction industry making oil for edibles? That would be the production half. Yeah. The other half I would call the connoisseur half. And they they do mingle. They do coincide. Sometimes there's a place where it's both. But most places that care about the connoisseurship, the the real artistry of it, You see it from top to bottom. And so um, that was definitely a part of me leaving that position. And after that, I had to start over because the cannabis industry has 80,000 employees and we're all that eager to work. So it's very competitive and it was very tough to get back to this point. But uh, I worked through another series of jobs and found the offer here due to this company looking to make THCA Diamonds. Oh, and that became, was that something you knew how to do already? Or? Exactly. Yeah. I had, uh, done my own research as a bud tender, which is like a bartender for weed. Um, and I had heard so much about it and I had done the research and put two and two together and found this company and they reached out to me first. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to leave where I'm at. And then two months later, I was like, okay, I'm ready to leave where I'm at. Let's, uh, let's do this. And I came here, jumped on board and it took us a little bit of, ironing out the kinks, but we really got what we call the tech or the the technique of growing the diamonds and doing live plant extraction to a science where we know exactly how it's going to come out, what it should look like at what day. And, you know, it's, it's really turned into something that I am shocked to see evolve every day. It's interesting because it's such a young industry, but you're already talking about
1: how it seems like it's evolved to the point where you have like mass production oil oh, for yeah. extraction,
2: and then you've got artisanal extractors, which is how yeah. you think of yourself. And the industry itself is a macrocosm of that. There are large-scale businesses with 14 storefronts, and there are single mom-and-pop shops that have operated since 2009 at the same level, you know? And it it really comes down to do you care about the plant and do you care about the patients and and a lot of that here is, is is so powerful you know like we really make a difference in the quality of our own product and the happiness of our patients because we care. Did you have any science background when you got into this industry? <laughs> I get I get asked that a lot. Um, I got a C minus in chemistry in high school and I struggled through science in college and um, it was really about self-education. So 10 years ago, the level of knowledge for making hash was what we call stoner science. It was all speculation. It was all my friend said this, your friend says that, let's put it together in my basement. And so like the industry didn't even have rules when it started for extraction and they didn't require closed loop or monitoring or like anything like that. And so when I got into it, I was... I hate to use the word playing around, I was being safe, but I was totally experimenting and just trying to learn what this was because I'd always tried hash and I'd always smoked cannabis wanting the more potent, more clean version, but never been able to manifest that in my own work. And so once I was in extraction here and really like, you know, giving the keys to the car, it, it was It was cool to see what we could accomplish and what new levels we could push.
1: So since you didn't have much of a science background,
2: how long did it take you to get trained as a tech? Right. So when I first started, um, we were in that production facility and we kind of worked with training wheels, as we would call it. So you have another technician who knows the ropes behind you, but they don't tell you anything. They kind of are like, I told you how this machine works and I've given you the tools to run it. But I want to see what you do under pressure, and it's it's a literal statement and a metaphorical statement. Like, yes, you're putting pressure on yourself, but you need to see how someone acts nervously around a machine under pressure because that is it is a dangerous thing to do. It is something that takes training, and so uh, I kind of did training wheels, you know, operation for about a month, and then uh, I would start operating the machine by by myself with no one else. And after about a year, I would say. I became like proficient to the point of not needing to question myself or second guess processes. What what could go wrong? Like what what happens? Right. If so you if you mess up, it used to be that in the news when you saw an exploded apartment, it was a meth lab. Now it's someone making hash. Um, more more often than not, um, gas is flammable. It's the easiest way to put it. It explodes. Um, so we work here at Concentrated Love in a class one division one hood. So it's that literally by definition of Denver fire department and government law means explosion proof. So if it's going to explode, we step out of the room, we close the doors and it suppresses it before anything can happen. But the dangers are very high. It's a, it's a high risk position. And I would say that that's probably why there's only about 250 people who do it.
1: Have you ever had a close call?
2: I have had gas leaks and exposure to gas, but never anything that I would call dangerous or harmful. Um, When you train on an ETS, which is Extraction Tech Solutions, they inform you that no one has ever been seriously injured using one of their machines. Obviously, people at home who aren't qualified or trained have messed themselves up. But uh, no, I personally have not. I, I guess you could call it a close call, but I've never had a situation where I was scared for my own safety or in a situation where I didn't think I could fix what happened. And so, um, that is a big thing. When you first start extraction, you work with nervousness. Uh, you have, a a slight tremor to the hand when turning a nozzle or when stopping gas flow and that goes away, but it's good to have that in the back of your mind because that makes you a safe operator the most confident people will become comfortable and, you know, they think they do the same thing every time. There's no room to mess up. And so, uh, it, it is something that requires a, an attention to detail.
1: The way you describe the work sounds actually very analog in that you're turning knobs or nozzles. Oh, yeah. So, because when I would think of this, I, I would assume that you're sort of sitting behind a computer, but it's <laughs> not, or is it? I mean, how much of it is is your, you know, playing with the keyboard and how much of it is actually twisting buttons and Analog such.
2: Analog is the best way to put it. It is, uh, it's so rudimentary and it's so simple. And it, it really, the only time we spend behind a computer is putting in the data to make sure that we don't confuse one of the 960 batches that have been made recently, you know, and uh, we, we aren't technicians like engineers. We're technicians like cannabis engineers. Like we're really only Dealing with plants, and so the the technology doesn't need to get so advanced that it becomes digital. I mean, there there are there's always a more expensive way to do it. I guess would be the way to say it. But uh, you know, even the most technical hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars systems are rudimentary stainless steel. So when you're letting the gas flow onto
1: that bucket of plant matter, Mm -hmm. you're literally just turning a knob to like, okay, we're going to let, we're going to see, we're going to change the pressure gauge right now.
2: Right. So uh, our gas system is two knobs, one knob for inflow, one knob for outflow. Our ETS system is three knobs and it's just control of pressure. And as simple as that is, there's like, like the seconds make the difference, you know, when operating If you do something longer than someone else for 10 seconds, it can change how it looks or change when you finish or how efficient the run really is given that this process is so analog, I'm kind of curious, what's like physically the hardest part to do? So it's from start to finish a physically demanding job. Um, You go from a lot of stuff, seven feet in the air to on the ground. Um, So a lot of stretching, a lot of movement of objects over 50 pounds. The entire extraction system has a jacketed water recirculator on the outside. So if that's hard to picture... It's a series of stainless steel tubing that has stainless steel tubing around the outside so water can go between the steel. And so everything is double layered. Everything is heavy. <laughs> um Your first two weeks, your knuckles look like you got in fights, like you're covered in nicks and little bruises all over the hands. And um it's very like, we always say if someone's been a car mechanic or an HVAC technician, they'd be perfect because they're banging into metal all day. <laughs> and so that's kind of like, your your job is like a series of, of moving parts that are really, really heavy and really, really sensitive. So like you don't want to just drop a eighty pound collection vessel full of hash on the ground. Like you want to very carefully, you know, put that down, place it on the floor and open it softly. The physical labor is pretty constant. It's basically your only breaks are during the process we call recovery. So when we use what's called a Haskell pump. Um, which is most commonly used to pull natural gas out of the earth. So it's powerful enough to get gas from the earth to a tank. It's definitely powerful enough to get our gas out of the machine into a tank. And that process takes about 30 minutes to get seven pounds of gas from one piece of machinery to the next. And, um, that's kind of our break. So we do like 20 minutes of setup. 5 minutes of really pumping it and getting all the knobs turned and all the special things done and uh then we do our recovery and once recovery is done we're kind of all hands on deck so no matter what anyone's doing in the lab we're working on that run when that run is done and it allows for quality control as well as multiple opinions so when we get to that, you know, artistry coming in facet of the job, multiple opinions always make something better.
1: And at that point, you're looking for color for consistency for okay, how do we pour this out correctly? Exactly. Of... Yeah. yeah.
2: Um, basically, we're we're hoping that we don't have to do too much to affect it at this point. And if we do, you know, it's not like a frown on our face. It's kind of like, a this is where more science gets to come in. And we, we have so many levels of refinement. Like There is the main machine we've been talking about, but we also do alcohol uh, and ethanol refinement and distillation. So distillation is where we clean out all the alcohol. We take the remaining THC molecule and use very specific um, heat and pressure throughout glass pressurized machinery. And that heat and pressure literally leaves us with just a raw THC oil that is uh, no smell, really. It's like if you hold a jar of it upside down, it won't move. It's clear. And some labs are able to test that at 99%. We usually top out about 92 but But uh, that's still for starting with the bare minimum, maybe 10% THC material mm-hmm. and doing literal washes of, of alcohol and, and gas over it. Uh, we're able to get it to 92%. And so when you really think about how many starting grams of of plant you really start with and then what you finish with it's it's a really heavy process of refinement like we're we're maybe getting a 7% final yield but we're left with such a high quality product what is the part of your job that most people don't understand so it's probably all the the labor i would say that most people think that hash is a Uh, push and play kind of thing. Like you just get this material and you press start and then it comes out and you put it in your easy bake oven and you know, it's done. And it's really like, it's such a heavy position. Like you're put in this place where you are responsible for how it's going to look, what it's going to look like and how it's going to move around and everything. I mean, you're, you're the Godhead at that front. Like nothing can go past you. And if it does, it's immediately recognizable. So I guess the scrutiny, the scrutiny and the pressure is, is something that people don't understand. And I, I've worked with people that didn't want to do this job, that didn't want to be an extraction technician, that clearly found out quickly because of the pressure. Because of sometimes things don't go right. And you don't have to be a scientist now. You have to be like an auto mechanic. Like you have to fix something on the fly while it's running, while it's under pressure and still make that hash look good and, and come out clean and test for a lab. There's a lot of scrutiny. And and a big part of it is uh, you get to a certain level and then you don't think about it anymore. So it's like it took me, like I was saying, almost a year to become proficient in and not second guess my processes. But once that happened, it, it's just your job, you know? And like you come in and you hold yourself to that standard. And if it's not there that day, you make it happen the next day even better. Awesome. It's been a lot of fun talking, man. About- yeah, thank you.
1: That's all for this episode of Working. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Weissman. And if you enjoyed the episode, please, please, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's really helpful for us. Also, you can always send us an email at workingatslate.com. Again, workingatslate.com. We've actually been getting some good ideas from listeners for future episodes. And I always try to write back as soon as possible. Thank yous, Justin D. Wright, for our ad music. Also to Marla and Jay, who I forgot to thank previously for letting me crash in their guest bedroom when I was off in Colorado uh, recording all of this. And finally, my producer, Jessamyn Molly, without whom uh, I couldn't do or put together anything on this show. Uh, Until next time.